You're listening to Crosstalk, Conversations with Curtis. Crosstalk, Conversations with Curtis is brought to you by... You know, there are few relationships more solid than the bond between a man and his barber. For years, I've gotten my cut with Gene the Barber. Gene has been cutting my hair for more than 20 years. Call him directly at 240-687-7253 and make an appointment. Gene the Barber, 240-687-7253. A-Squared Home and Office Solutions is the go-to source for home or office network and audiovisual solutions. We can help with smart home integration, wireless networking, media rooms, security systems, and more. We will link technology to your lifestyle seamlessly. Visit HomeAndOfficeSolutions.com for more info. You're listening to Crosstalk, Conversations with Curtis. Here's your host, Curtis Cross. Welcome to Conversations with Curtis. I'm your host, Curtis Cross. And as always, I'm excited to be here with you today. Today, we're going to get into a great conversation. But first, I want to thank our sponsors, Gene the Barber and A Squared Home and Office Solutions. Be sure to connect with me socially at Curtis Talks on Instagram and Twitter and www.curtistalks.com. And take a listen to our other podcasts, Cross Talk, The Curtis and Paula Show, a lifestyle, love, marriage, and parenthood podcast. You'll hear about the day-to-day life of me and Paula. Take a T.O. with Turner and O'Neill, a local and national sports broadcast hosted by me, along with coaches Steve Turner and Casey O'Neill. Ramblin' Teachers is a local teacher talk podcast hosted by a few friends of the Crosstalk family. The Midnight Truck Stop and 911 Radio, both of these podcasts are hosted by Big T and the Blue Knight out on the West Coast, the Left Coast. You'll hear stories from truckers, 911 calls, law enforcement officers, and a host of interesting guests. All of these podcasts can be found on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcast content. Once again, I want to welcome you to Conversations with Curtis. I'm excited today. I thank you for joining today's conversation. And guess what? Today, I'd like to welcome to the conversation Nell Choi. Nell, how's it going, young lady? Doing well, thanks. All right, guys. Look, I am super excited to bring Nell Choi to this screen, to this conversation today. Most of you do not know Nell Choi, but you're going to fall in love with this young lady and her story once you hear what we have to talk about today. The first thing I want to talk about now is um, tell us who you are. Are you in the Washington, D.C. area? But tell us a little bit about who is Nell Choi. Yeah, so I'm 12 years old and I just um, recently published my first book that is about um, a recent hospitalization I had during my fourth grade year. And it is directed to help other kids who are going through um, hard times. Absolutely. It is. You can get her book on Amazon. Just Google My Hospital Story. Her name is Nell Choi. It's up there on the screen right now. And you guys will find that book. It's a quick read. Uh, I think it's on Prime. I think you made it to Prime. So in two or three days, people can get that book delivered right to their home as I did. Um, now, we have to go back, though. Um, well, we have to go back to when I first met you, which is after your story took place. But I've got to tell you, um, I make no secret about the fact that the first time I ever saw you was at convocation at your school. Uh, my daughter and your daughter attend the same school. I heard this young lady's story. She spoke in front of you know parents and students. And I think it was everyone in the school. Is that correct? The, yep. the, the whole student body. All of the faculty, all of the staff from lower school all the way up to graduating seniors. And Nell, your story was amazing. When I heard that story, I had two thoughts. Number one, I've got to meet this young lady 
And number two, I know we chose the right school for my daughter because if that school can support you the way they did and make you feel the way you did, this was a family. And do you remember what the theme of that school year was? The theme? Oh, home. Yes. Home. And it felt like home to you. Did it not? Yes. Absolutely. So now tell us about when you started feeling a little bit differently and what led to, give me everything that led up to this book. What was going on with you medically? Yeah. So uh, it was the winter of my fourth grade year at school. And I, all of a sudden, we were actually just coming back from our winter break trip, skiing in Colorado. And all of a sudden, I started feeling really weak and dizzy and I completely lost my appetite. And we went to many, like our pediatrician and many different doctors, but nobody could really diagnose me. So then once I was sent to the hospital, I got an MRI, they were later able to diagnose me with um, a rare autoimmune condition called Edema. And what's the full name of this? Because you've said, I know I can't say it. (laughs) It's neuromyelitis optica spectrum disorder. And you've had to say that a bunch of times, huh? Yes. <laughs> All right. And what does that do to you? So those are the symptoms there. And this, just so everyone, we can put them in the right space and time. This is before COVID, before all of that. Um, and what did those symptoms feel like? Or what is this? I, I'm not going to try to say it, but whatever you just said, what is that? Yeah. So it's a neurological autoimmune disorder. And so my there are different ways that it can manifest, but for me, it was inflammation in my brain. And that affected me in that I lost my ability to talk, to walk um, for a little while, and it affected my lungs. So I had a lot of trouble breathing. There was a breathing tube, right? Yes, yes. Right, or a ventilator maybe, huh? Yeah. Right, so... You know, when we hear about this and we see Nell today, we we see the book, you're playing lacrosse again, you're doing all of these things. It, you know, there were some 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 dark areas there in terms of, you know, your your rehab and being able to come back from this and start to feel you feel 100% better now, is that correct? Well, yeah, there are days of course where I'm not, you know, like completely as I was before. I'm still not the same person I was like before I got sick, but definitely much better. Right. And so what, so the process of you, you had to learn how to breathe again. You used a breathing tube or a ventilator. Talk to me, take me through that process, please. What things do we take for granted that you had to learn all over again? Yeah, I had to use, well, as I refer to in my book, I call them torture devices. Torture devices. Yes. Yes. Um, Every time the respiratory therapist came to the room, I was just dreading it. It was very tiresome, but you know, I learned to eventually just cope with it because I knew it would try and make me stronger. But yeah, they some of them like they would like be vibrating on your chest, and you would have to do all this work just to breathe. And then now it's like these days, I'm so grateful for it because I I can do it without any help. Absolutely, that's that's a wonderful story. Um, <clears throat> now I'm going to put you on the spot. Can I read your brother's letter, or do we want to wait for people to get the book? Yes, you can read it. So I'm going to try to get through this without being emotional because this is the best part of the book, in my opinion. It says, this is a note written to me by my older brother, Jake, when he was 13 years old. It says, dear Nell, today is your infusion. Everyone is going to say the same thing to you. See, I've got tears in my eyes, so it's going to be hard to read this. Um, 
is going to say the same thing to you. Be brave, be strong. However, I'm going to say something different to you. Be yourself. You do not need to change anything to become brave. You already are. Your cheerful personality will always allow you to combat fear. Your, what is this? You must accept the, hold on. I'm trying to read through these tears now. You must accept who you are. You are my Nell, Miss Nell Choi, excuse me. And nothing I repeat can stop your drive and brightness. Is that correct? Am I reading that correct? All right. Good luck today, Jake Choi. Forget the fact that this is from your older brother. This is from a 13-year-old older brother who's writing something so heavy to tell you that, you know, and I know, you know, the school where you are empowers you to be as strong as you can be. You don't need to be brave. You just need to be Nell Choi. And that's what he was telling you. And how much did that help you, knowing that your brother believed in not who you should be, but who you are? You were good enough to get through that. Yeah, that day he left it actually just right on my desk and I didn't read it until I got to the hospital. And it was like right before I was getting my IV placed, I was so nervous and I read that and I was just like tearing up. I, I was, it, it just like made my heart fill up. I mean- Oh my gosh, yes. Know that, yeah, I mean, I he doesn't exactly express those things all the time, of course. He's, you know, your older brother and everything, but to hear him, that say that and that he knows that I, I was so happy. Well, bro, big brothers aren't supposed to do that. They're supposed to, you know, beat up on you and make you feel like, you know, they don't care. Right. But that guy has a heart. And I think if I'm not mistaken, your brother, he does drums. Is that correct? Yep. Yes, yes, yes. So, and, and as I hear now, him and your dad are on a trip right now and we're kind of jealous because they're fishing and doing some other things, but I hope they uh, catch the big one and I hope they enjoy that uh, mini vacation that they're going to be on. Now, you're, you're in the hospital. Um, there are days where you're just not up to it. How did, you, how did you get yourself up to be up for it? Whatever that day needed from you to get better, your rehab. How did you get up for that every day? Yeah, that... That was definitely hard. I mean, the drive and motivation sometimes just wasn't there for me. Mm -hmm. um, but as I talk about my book, I kind of encountered what I refer to as angels. Um, there are these people that are just there for you to support you, and they just know what, like, when the right time is where you need them. And they're the ones who kind of lift you up in your time of need. Right. And um, I had so many different ones um, along the way, and they were just like my rays of sunshine that just gave me a boost when I needed it. Absolutely. And that's what they're there for. And, you know, sometimes it's the, the physical boost you need. They have to get, help you get up so you can go out there and get your, you know, get stronger and get your exercise in. Sometimes it's just, as I'm sure you know, now there were, well, let me, let me finish this thought. Sometimes they're just there to ask you how you're doing or just to sit with you. Am I correct? Yes. Now, did I see, because we're going to get to this part as well, um, hello, Miss CBS Evening News. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh wasn't last week, the week before, Nell was on the CBS Evening News, and you were called Wonder Woman. I did see the piece. Um, but you had some pets with you. Did you have a, a pet in there with you? Oh, oh, so those were actually um, therapy dogs. Right. Those were the dogs at the hospital. They're they're like my favorite. There are these two dogs at the hospital that right. I always see each time I I have to stay there, and I, I have to say they're like, yeah, they're they're like the wonder pets of the hospital. Literally, so they, they are so therapeutic and just they they really kept me going. 
Excellent, excellent. Now, how long of a process was this? We didn't talk about that part. So from when you were first diagnosed and, and the pediatricians didn't know what was going on, and so we, we got an answer that allowed us to move forward with some, some corrective measures, how long was the, the process, the rehab going through and everything? So I was, in, I was hospitalized for about a month, and then afterwards I would do um, some outpatient therapy, and then it took a, I was so amb- ambitious to go back to school and start my life again. And so I, I, I kind of worked my butt off to get there. And um, in a couple of weeks after I know, I was able to s- slowly start back at school. I would do... Usually, like, uh, I started with, like, maybe two or three classes mm-hmm. a day, and then I slowly worked up to a full, sort of full day by the end of the year. Um, but, yeah, that was just, that was a little bit challenging. No, no, I'm sure. Now, let's get back to the school. It's home. Um, you go there. You're, you're, you attend that school. My daughter attends that school. And we know what they're all about. Um, excellent, excellent community. Excellent support pieces from teachers to faculty that that are not in the classroom with you to your sisters there at the school. How important was it and what role did the school play in supporting you, letting you know that you had a family that you had to get back to? That family needed you as much as you needed them. Uh, tell, tell me about that. How did that factor into your rehab and your 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 headspace? Where were you with that? Yeah, they were so supportive. So actually, when I was really, when I was really sick in the hospital, the um, the families actually at the school um, started creating this little meal train, basically for my family that was at home, and that was just so helpful. My brother was so happy because he was at home alone usually because my parents had to be at the hospital. Right. And families every night would come alternating and dropping off meals and then my teachers too um at the school they were so supportive i i didn't you know with your teachers sometimes you don't have like that super strong connection you know you feel like there's a little gap or like oh what are they gonna think of me right and really they came out and they just they were so supportive of what i was going through you know, now, and you don't know, it's kind of one of those things, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, you went through it, I didn't. It's kind of one of those things where you don't necessarily take them for granted, but you realize just how supportive they are. And if you were to go into this, and knowing that you had to be in the hospital for a while, you might not think of that school support that could help you through, but I think they really helped you through emotionally. And maybe when you think you couldn't make it to another rehab, they're there cheering for you. And you know, I've got to get back to my girls. I've got to get back to, you know, the main trip or whatever things are going to go on. Right. And, um, but did you, did you ever do the main trip? Oh yeah. I wanted to go, but it got canceled. So. Oh, that's right. That's only sixth grade year. Is that correct? Right, right. So yeah, it got canceled for our daughter too. The crazy thing is we had gone to Maine that summer just before that. So we had seen a lot of that stuff. Um, I'll tell you a little secret. She didn't want to go because it was around her birthday and y'all couldn't take cell phones and she didn't want to not have her cell phone on her birthday. Um, but no, that, that school community was, and I heard it in convocation in your speech. Um, you know, that day, 
convocation. And I wish I could remember the exact day, but it was probably September 3rd or 4th or whatever it was. That changed my life because you came into my life and you were the exact, you talk about these angels lifting you up. You were the angel that let me know on that day that when we decided to send our daughter to that school, that this was the kind of place where she can feel comfortable, where she can, you know, where we could become a part of a community. I didn't know that when our daughter was going to attend that school, that we would get as much out of it as she is getting out of it because of that community. So this doesn't happen by accident. You were encouraged to start to document what was going on in the hospital. Tell me about the person who encouraged you to do that and where did that start off? So actually my fourth grade writing teacher, after I got out of the hospital, I was I was with the transition back to school. It was kind of challenging and I felt like nobody exactly could understand what I was going through and it was a lot of processing to be honest a lot of what had happened in the hospital I didn't remember okay it slowly came back to me in little memories I guess little flashbacks and so when I got those flashbacks I would kind of write about them sure then as I was processing them I kind of I had this full journal about what had kind of happened and what I was starting to remember and all the feelings that it was kind of crazy. And then, you know, I was in the, when I was in the hospital, I always wanted to hear about what other kids were going through and I wish I could talk to them. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how the book came to life. I wanted to write a book for other kids, you know, they're going through something similar to know that they're not alone because it feels very alone when you're. No, it does. And now here's the thing. There are going to be hundreds of, maybe thousands, maybe tens of thousands of people who read this book. What you just did by turning that journal into a book is you have allowed yourself to positively affect those people who you might not ever, ever meet. But someone needs to hear that voice because someone was that voice for you, right? And you might not know who you're affecting, but someone, you're someone's superhero. Someone's going to read this story and they're going to know that they can get through. You might save lives with this book now. I mean, that's how important it is what you did, but that journal, you start writing it. This wasn't on the table at the time. It was just a journal. And at some point, was it you who decided you want to turn this into a book where you were approached by someone or? Yeah, my mom and I were kind of talking one day about, you know, I had this, after the hospital, I had this um, strong desire to help others and, you know, pay back what to the community after people did so much to help me. And we were talking about it and we kind of, my mom kind of decided, she was like, why don't you just turn all of this, what you had written into a book? And then I was like, oh my goodness, this is exactly what I, I want to do. Writing is a strong passion of mine. So sure. I would love to use that passion of mine to just help um, the greater community. All right. And tell me what you want folks to, what are your goals for this book? I mean, you've talked about you want to change lives. You want to encourage, you know, young folks who are in your same situation. Uh, what other goals do you have for the book? I mean, are we, are we talking book tour? Do I need to start booking some dates for you at bookstore? What are we talking here? Yeah, we, um, one of the goals is to get this book into pediatric hospitals across the country. Okay. I think, um, yeah, we've talked to some of my doctors about it and, we're hoping that maybe if they read it, they also get the patient side of um, what it's like to be in the hospital, especially for a child. And, 
you know, how scary it can be um, to be in the hospital and what that perspective is really like. How good was the food? Was it as good as home? It wasn't as good as home cooking, was it? No way. <laughs> no way. But what was your favorite meal when you were in there? Well, to be honest, um, when I was really sick, I didn't even have an appetite at first. Okay. I, I couldn't I couldn't actually chew and swallow, so my tongue was it, I couldn't talk, right. and so I had a feeding tube actually. Okay. And so I didn't really eat much that when they were there. My brother ate some of it, but he did not like it. He said he was just like he just ate it because he had to. But he said. Right. So he he appreciated that that food train a lot more than the hospital food. I think. Yes. <laughs> Well, let me tell you, I'm weird, and I'll tell you why. I've been to hospitals when, when my wife gave birth to both of our kids. I love going down to the cafeteria and getting that food. But I'm just a burger and fries guy, so it doesn't, I mean, you can't really mess up a burger and fries, right? Um, what was it like telling your story to CBS? You're a star now. I mean, we're talking now. We're not talking about you know, thousands of people reading a book. We're talking about tens and hundreds of thousands of people seeing you and it will be in perpetuity. You're going to be on YouTube and all of this good stuff. I mean, I appreciate that you're on this podcast. I'm not going to give you the exposure that CBS is going to. Um, when did that knock come? When did they start knocking on your door? Yeah, so we have a friend at CBS and mm -hmm. she um, is the producer for the show Face the Nation. Right. And um, she had some connections and she had read my book and heard about it. And so she told one of her um, partners who does like these feel good stories, right. um, Mr. Chip Reed. And he he then he read the book and he was like, oh, my goodness, we have to do a story. So now then you're dropping names like Chip Reed, like it's just your next door neighbor. These are big names we're talking about here. But continue, please. <laughs> Oh, so yeah, then after we got that all coordinated, it, it happened so fast and they were all of a sudden in our driveway setting up all these crazy uh, <laughs> lights and uh, backdrops and little, yeah, all these like cameras and it was, it was just so, I couldn't believe it. Wow. Um, and I, we had a really good conversation as well and I think it was really great to just have that um, people know about my story as well. I mean, it may be CBS, but it's not conversations with Curtis now. We got to admit, okay? You know, this is the big time here, all right? I hope you're ready. Um, now, your story has always been amazing to me. I did not know the depth of the story until I saw the CBS piece, and as months have gone on, I just knew that in September of 2019, I'm sitting in an amphitheater, and I'm listening to a young lady um, tell her story. I'm like, wow, this... Wow. Um, but I didn't know all the layers to it. And you, I've seen you in the dining hall a, a million times. And we've always, you know, had our exchanges. And we did a drive-by for your birthday and, and all of that good stuff. That was fun. Um, but I did not know this entire story as I know it now. What do you want the people to know about Nell Choi? What do you, if you have one child right now who's getting ready to go through something because one of my cliche terms is to get to something, you got to go through something. You went through something. What piece of advice are you giving a 10 year old boy right now who's getting ready to go into a surgery or doesn't understand what's going on medically and he might be a little fearful. What are you telling that child? You know, you, you may not realize it, but there are so many people that are going to be there for you 
even if you didn't know it, you just have to look for those lights, like those flashes of light in your dark time. And um, just know that you're not alone in what you're going through. There are people around you who care about you. And even if it's just me, I, I care about you. And um, you're going you're gonna to do awesome. You know, you just have to believe in yourself and you're going to make it to the other side, a stronger person. You know, and you just said something that it took me years into adulthood to realize how awesome does it feel to be able to care about someone even if you don't know them you care about that eight-year-old girl who doesn't know why she's feeling the way she does you care about that 12-year-old boy who thinks that you know everything is out the window because he wants to be a, a huge athlete and you know he broke his leg and we can we can make this work you know, and a broken leg is different than what you went through because I think we all know a broken leg. We're going to get that repaired. Um, I imagine there were times where you questioned, am I going to make it through this or am I going to be back to my normal self? Um, things like skiing, which you love to do, things like school, things like writing. We haven't really talked about lacrosse. How big is lacrosse in your life? Yeah, I so pre-hospitalization, I was playing on a travel team and it was a huge part of who i was and so just all of a sudden not even being able to walk that was just that was heartbreaking for me because it was something i loved that was totally just stripped away from me and i was so determined to get back right after um i i i kind of fought back to just be with my team again i missed my teammates so much like you know they were the ones who like lifted me up and brought me that you know energy that just gave me a boost all the all the time sure and so that that was definitely challenging i had to learn to even just hold the lacrosse stick again and um yeah it was it was actually more of a mental fight i think okay so well i've seen you walking around the halls with that lacrosse stick i know how much that means you what position do you play in lacrosse defense defense so your stick is bigger than a lot of the sticks right Oh, actually, that's just for boys across mostly. Oh, we'll see. Why do, the, why do the boys get that, but you don't get that? You know what? I'll tell you why. Because the boys that play lacrosse are scared that you'll do better with that lacrosse stick than they will. So they have to have the bigger lacrosse stick. Um, now, did, why do I feel like, have we seen have we seen you at Healthy Baller? Do you train over there? No. Okay, you don't train at Healthy Baller. What about next level lacrosse? Oh, I did, but I did a little while ago, yes. Next level, because there's a lot of kids that I know that do next level across. They actually, for one of my other podcasts, they're one of our sponsors, so I'm familiar with who they are. So what's next for Nell Choi? That's my, my next to last question. What is next for Nell Choi? What are you going to conquer next? Yeah, so I, one of my hopes um, for following this book, I want to one day give a TED Talk. and um, You will, don't worry, you will my story um yeah with like the greater world and i also yeah i also want to write maybe another book mm, i kind of want to write maybe a fic- like more of a fiction realistic fiction story okay. kind of about more that's focused not on the hospitalization but more what it's like living with a chronic illness like mine sure. and um what it's like you know when your friends don't see that on the outside right right well we know what we see on the outside but thanks to cbs thanks to this book thanks to this podcast we know what you're made of 
on the uh, inside as well. Um, I will tell you, folks, if you were just joining us, if you didn't see the top of this podcast, rewind and go back and listen to everything. We're talking to Nell Choi. She lives in the Washington, D.C. area. She is a seventh grader um, attending school here. Her story is, well, it's right there on the screen you can see, but it's my hospital story. Nell has gone through some things that most of us in our 30s or 40s or 50s haven't even gone through. This is the strongest young lady you will meet. She has her village around her. She has great parents. I know her parents personally. Um, I've met her brother a time or two, and she has gone through some things, and she tells her story right here in this book called My Hospital Story, which we are hoping to get into pediatric offices um, very soon across the country, but it is on Amazon. You can just type in My Hospital Story. It will come up. That's how I found the book, because Nell did not tell me about the book, even though I talked to her somewhat regularly. But now, what else do you want the people to know? Is there anything else? Um, really, just I would love it if you um, read my book and feel free to be open to sharing your stories as well. I mean, you're, if you're going through something that's challenging, don't be afraid to share or don't be afraid to just journal it. I mean, that's really what helped me. So, so getting those thoughts out on paper, having your school family behind you having your actual family behind you, having your lacrosse family behind you, having your hospital family around you. There's support, and you got the support you needed because none of us now, you learned that during your hospital stay, none of us can do this alone. And you had help. And you had help from people who didn't have to be the ones to help you, but they were there anyway. Um, Now, God, this was awesome. Um, I'm going to get ready to close out the show. I want you to stay right where you are. I'll put you backstage on this podcast, and we'll talk as soon as I'm done. Ladies and gentlemen, buy the book, My Hospital Story. Google Nell Choi. See her piece, her Wonder Woman piece on the CBS Evening News. Nell, I'm going to see you in just a second. Let me do a couple of things here, and uh, I'll see you in just a second. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Nell Choi. That was an awesome story. Go buy her book, My Hospital Story by Nell Choi. That's N-E-L-L-C-H-O-I is who she is. I need you to go get that book. She's an awesome story. All right. Thanks for joining today's conversation, folks. Um, That'll do it for today's episode of Conversations with Curtis. Be sure to connect with me socially at Curtis Talks on Instagram and Twitter or at www.curtistalks.com. You can also email me with podcast ideas. And if you'd like to be a guest or know of someone who should be a guest on Conversations with Curtis, don't forget to check out our podcast family, The Curtis and Paula Show, Take a T.O. with Turner and O'Neill, Ramblin' Teachers, and of course, The Midnight Truck Stop, and 911 Radio, hosted by Big Tony and The Blue Knight. You'll find our family of podcasts just about anywhere you get your podcast content. Thanks for joining the conversation today. Feel free to spread the word. Thank you to Adam, who's sitting right next to me off camera. And as always, thank you, Khadijah. We'll see you next time. Crosstalk, Conversations with Curtis can be heard on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Music, and just about anywhere podcasts can be found. You know, there are a few relationships more solid than the bond between a man and his barber. For years, I've gotten my cut with Gene the Barber. Gene has been cutting my hair for more than 20 years. Call him directly at 240-687-7253 and make an appointment. Gene the Barber, 240-687-7253. A-Squared Home and Office Solutions is the go-to source for home or office network and audiovisual solutions. We can help with smart home integration, wireless networking, media rooms, security systems, and more. 
We will link technology to your lifestyle seamlessly. Visit homeandofficesolutions.com for more info.